The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As we constantly move forward, there is a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. I am Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. And you can follow a live tweeting of the show at uh, hashtag Big Beacon Radio. And so today we've got a, a triple of uh, terrific uh, guests with us uh, from uh, Engineers Without Borders. We've got Boris Martin and Mark Abbott. And from Engineers Canada, we've got uh, Kim Allen. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Great to be here, Dave. Hey, so, um, and, and uh, this show grew out of uh, an experience you guys let me have. I was, I was uh, blessed to be able to uh, participate in a, a meeting of something called the Engineering Change Lab in Toronto last year. And, and what you guys are doing is, is really uh, fascinating. And, and uh, I'm really glad that, uh, that, that you were able to join us today. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so, um, and so we're going to dive into some of that here in a minute, but, um, uh, and, and listeners can learn more about each of you personally on the program page, but um, if, if there's one thing that a listener should know about you individually, um, what, would, what would that be? Let's, uh, let's start with you, Kim, Kim Allen. Oh, it, yeah, well, the, the listeners should know that I'm just uh, passionate about the engineering profession, whatever we can do to um, take our great profession, profession and make it even better is um, what I'm all about. Yeah, and Kim, you're you're CEO of Engineers Canada, and uh, instead of being in Canada, you're kind of uh, you you snuck out of the country and you're down in Florida today, and uh, avoiding the yeah. one of the first snows of winter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, very nice for just a quick little quick little vacation um, in here. Uh, uh, Dave, Engineers Canada is the uh, national organization of our twelve provincial and territorial regulators that um, regulate Canada's 280,000 engineers. And we provide that national support and leadership on behalf of those regulators to promote and maintain the integrity, honor, and interest and excellence of the engineering profession. Um, you know, we're, we're the profession's voice for both national and international affairs, and our kind of three main focuses relate to regulatory excellence, how to make the regulators um, better regulators, 
uh, confidence in the profession from both the members of the profession and the public, and yes. the whole broad sustainability of the profession. So it's reflective of the society in Canada. And well, Engineers well, Canada is responsible, also responsible for the accreditation of Canada's uh, 279 um, accredited engineering programs. We develop practice guidelines. Um, we do exam curricula for. Uh, those who don't come with accredited degrees, uh, we do the performance of the international work as, as well as being involved in government relations to ensure that the profession is consulted and represented um, in federal public policy. We're, we're the guys in Canada that are responsible um, and ensuring that we promote the responsibility and accountability to the public, um, w- working with the engineering regulators to ensure that Canada's engineers meet rigorous professional and ethical standards. Great. So that, that's kind of what we do in that's, a nutshell. That's what, yeah, so thanks for that. And, and uh, let's uh, turn to our other two uh, guests, maybe Boris, uh, Boris Martin. Um, what one thing should people know about you personally before we dive into change labs and so forth? Yeah, hi, Dave. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a young CEO of Engineers Without Borders Canada, um, I've been in this role for about 18 months, but passionate about social change for, you know, since I really, since I graduated or even during my undergraduate in engineering. Um, I'm a young father of uh, two kids, so I think that's the, the thing that I feel special in my life right now. And that's, I think that's changing also the way I, I see the world and I see my role and I see the role of mm. uh, the organization that I lead uh, I know that the world that you know my kids will li- will live in and, and grow in is very different than the one I've grown in, and so I want to you know challenge uh, the engineering profession and and challenge the you know the social sector in general to uh, to rethink uh, the way we go about uh, delivering delivering value to uh, to people. Nice, and and I want to circle back to Engineers Without Borders and 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 its mission in a moment. But uh, Mark Abbott, uh, what uh, what one thing should our listeners know about you before we get started? Sure, yeah, I guess um, something that's uh, a bit distinct about me, perhaps, is um, I, I was actually attracted to uh, an engineering education, an engineering um, uh, profession, uh, because it was the thing that was least predisposed to me when I was coming out of high school. Uh, but I'd always had sort of this this um, uh, respect for people that could actualize dreams and bring things to life. So when I went into engineering education uh, for my undergraduate degree, it was really kind of a, a challenge to myself to build out that way of thinking and to, um, and to follow in those footsteps. And throughout my career as a professional engineer working in heavy industry and then switching with Engineers Without Borders, um, you know, I've never regretted that decision and, and I'm very excited right now about uh, both the, what the profession has contributed um, historically, and also the the even bigger potential I think that lies ahead of it, and, and the role we can play in unlocking that. So, really excited to be here. Yeah, and and um, you know, we heard just a little bit about uh, Engineers Canada, but Engineers Without Borders Canada. What uh, um, what's that about, uh, Boris or Mark? Uh, so we're um, an organization that was founded uh, in 2000. So we're about uh, you know 15 years old now. Um, on any given year, we have about 2,000 uh, members. So we're a community of predominantly engineers, but there's also other you know sort of passionate uh, leaders, pragmatic problem solvers that join in. Um, what what brings us and you know there's gender parity in the in in our membership, uh, which you know when you look at the the engineering profession is something still. Uh, to be uh, to be achieved, um, it's 
you know, people come to Engineers Without Borders to grow, first and foremost, to grow as leaders and to engage in, you know, lofty goals that, that impact the entire planet. I think when you interact with our organization, one of the things that you uh, notice right away uh, is that people within frame challenges a bit differently than, than, you know, what would be traditional. So instead of saying something like, you know, I know how to design a water pump, and so where could I go and build one? Uh, we say, how might we uh, ensure that everyone get, gets access to safe water um, everywhere and forever? Um, and so that's, that really challenges people to think in a systemic way about the challenges that they, they you know, channel their, their skills towards. Um, and then uh, that also, that focus on societal outcome, uh, in a way, has, you know, bred a culture of constant, um, you know, learning and reinventing uh, ways that are most effective at uh, actually delivering results. And so, you know, we've evolved over the, the, the past 15 years as to how we actually deploy our, our uh, shared resources. And we, we work in, uh, pre- predominantly in sub-Saharan Africa and in Canada, uh, in Canada, to really unlock the the the, the potential of the, the engineering profession in delivering social value, um, and in Sub-Saharan Africa, in issues of access to safe water or you know uh, creating economic opportunity for those who uh, don't have access uh, to it, and um, we've grown a portfolio of about uh, you know 14 uh, different innovations that we support at very early stage ideas that are kind of bold and and try to, uh, to, to make a difference for millions of people. Um, and we've evolved sort of like a, a portfolio-level strategy and, and like all the sort of the learning that we're doing, um, really solving, you know, specific challenges also is boiled up back into um, kind of sector-wide conversations because we realize that some of that change also needs to happen at the policy level, et cetera. So that's, uh, you know, in the realm of the engineering profession, that's how we engaged uh, with the Engineering Change Lab and, and partnered with Engineers Canada to see how, you know, how we could um, uh, start, you know, both challenging and nurturing uh, some yes. of the excellence that that's um, happened in the, in the profession in Canada. Yeah. And, and, you know, so when you, when you talk to people in Engineers Without Borders, uh, there's as much, so there's this desire to uh, bring about... Uh, good things in the world, but it, it's also interesting how these experiences that people have when they go to Africa or, or get involved mm-hmm. in these projects and how it affects them and changes their lives. And it seems to me that we're, you know, the way, there's, there's been that current in our conversation even so far about how, uh, how professional career, um, uh, professional careers are changing and, and, you know, change is a, is a, is a word that's kind of at the, at the heart of things now, the, there's so much that's happening in our world. Our world is is in many ways such a different place than it was a few years ago. But so we have, you know, so we've got really two professional organizations represented here. One quite idealistic, one with a, uh, with a quite a bit of heavy lifting to do in terms of uh, the profession of engineering uh, in in Canada itself. And so I'm actually I'm a little curious how you know. So it's it's not often that CEOs from organizations like that even really talk to each other. Very very much, let alone collaborate and work together. How is it? How is it that? Uh, the, how did the collaboration on on the Engineering Change Lab come come um, come to pass between these two organizations? Well, Dave, maybe I'll jump in. It's Kim, um, and part of the, the whole notion. I guess we started out um, was well, about two years ago. You know, going through the effort and the exercise, we had some 
issues where there were some more uh, engineering students having some bad behavior on on campus and you know, a, a bit of the uh, the macho uh, engineering behavior. And when you look at the broad cross section of engineers and engineering students, uh, that isn't a representative sample of it. And so we thought, you know, there's got to be something that we can actually do. And uh, you know, is there something we could actually have engineering students recognize that they're a member of the profession the first day they, the first class they start taking at engineering schools? And we were looking for a way and means of developing, uh, you know, a, a stronger tie into. Um, the, the you know the, the code of ethics, the ethical standards, the integrity mm-hmm. that the engineering profession really truly stands for, and having that um, you know, go back in, in through the much uh, through the students and, and through all the others, and really we're kind of struggling and looking at different ways to do it. So from the the one I guess the more established piece of the the profession, we thought, hmm, you know, is, is there somebody out there that can actually help us be a catalyst in in this change that would actually connect much better? As Boris mentioned a little earlier in the whole discussion, um, they're much more of a gender balance than the rest of the profession. They're they're really working hard at being reflective of uh, society and what society looks like today, and and those standards and those norms. Yeah. And so the the discussion. Uh, Started with um, uh, with engineers without borders, and we thought, well, gee, the ideal kickoff time would be maybe if we could tie it into the engineers without borders annual conference. And if you've ever been to one of those, they're really an inspiring event. There's about a, a thousand students, which yeah. is uh, such high energy level. Uh, put in with it, but that, a couple that years kind of, ago, I was at the one. I was at. Then, yeah, I was at the one in Toronto, and it was, it was as you say. If I can jump in, uh, Boris or Mark, from the EWB side, uh, uh, you know, how, did this kind of, how did you guys start talking together, and you know, how, did, how did this uh, change lab, or, or mm-hmm. how did this all get started? All right, Mark, you should take it away. Okay, I mean, um, even going back before the beginning of the Engineering Change Lab, uh, EWB, has enjoyed and valued uh, strong working relationships with with the different uh, professional bodies in Canada, and in particular with Kim has been uh, has been a great uh, ally and and partner over the years. And yeah. um, I think you know the 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 sort of the event that Kim talked about was was sort of perhaps the the latest um, example around some of these stories of uh, engineers behaving badly on campus. That was sort of another one of these indications that. Um, uh, of sort of a bit of a chronic symptom or chronic problem. What and were they? What were they doing? I, I can't imagine anyone in Canada behaving badly, let alone uh, engineers. But what were they? Enough. What were they doing? <laughs> Kim, do you remember the specifics of it now? It's... Oh well, well, well it, it's just more of um, you know, the, the, the perhaps of some um, disrespectful activities to different groups and some chanting and some uh, songs and song books with perhaps not the best language and the best words in them and I see you know um, with with all those and and I think it was really you know it was kind of intended as fun but the fun was a little carried away and and the fun was starting to hurt people so yeah okay yeah. so okay so so you guys actually have had you've had relationship for quite some time and kind of good relationship but but there was something about this this time that um um brought it together so um, and I and I was able to uh, visit in Toronto this this past year. I know it's been going on longer than that. But what what is the what's what's the idea of the the change the big idea of the change lab? 
Yes, I, I think when we when Engineers Canada and EWB um, came together initially around the idea, um, there was a recognition that uh, we we shared a, both a, um, a respect for everything the engineering profession had accomplished, but also this this feeling that there was this this, this other level or higher potential, and um, furthermore some some signs of urgency and importance around uh, unlocking that higher potential. Yeah. And uh, Engineers Without Borders, we've been exposed to this idea of change labs or, or social labs um, through our work on other complex system-level challenges yeah. uh, on poverty and inequality in Africa and various other areas. And so uh, it was through some early conversations with Kim where we were um, floated the idea and said, well, what do you think of this, this approach as being uh, potentially something that could help us um, uh, kind of take, take efforts to another level? And, uh, and then we kind of went step from step from there. Yeah, and, and we had uh, had Adam Kahane on the show uh, a few weeks back, and so we had this conversation about so, uh, social change and tractable change and, you know, re- really t- tackling tough problems and getting people that even dislike each other sitting across the, the table from one another as, as, uh, as something positive to do. What, what is it that makes uh, change in the profession of engineering an intractable or, or difficult problem in the, in the sense that Adam likes to talk about? Well, it, it, it's interesting from, um, from my perspective is that uh, engineers, that's um, primarily what engineers do is deal with change and implement change. Sure. And, and it, it's around the various different types of things they have. But uh, introducing and putting behavioral change about how the engineers uh, actually behave and, and look and perceive and, and deal with a number of issues is, is a, a real challenge because engineers don't look at those types of problems in the same manner as they would look at lots of other types of uh, issues and challenges and, you know, and, and can tackle uh, and solve some complex challenges. And, and to me, I think that's what I've very much found the, the whole engineering cha- change lab rewarding is that uh, engineers have kind of, you know, are hardwired for the system thinking and, and looking for those types of problems mm-hmm. um, as we go through. It's just in, in a whole different sphere than they've normally dealt with. We're, and we're going to take a break, but uh, and, and we, we'll come back to this point. But Mark or Boris, do you want to add a pregnant thought before we go go away for break? Yeah, I mean, you know, when uh, when we first uh, had a lunch dinner, uh, uh, Kim and I and and the whole team together, we joked about the fact that Engineers Without Borders is the activist organization, and and Engineers Canada is kind of the institution, and and it's a it's an unlikely marriage, but it's actually one that is quite uh, potent in uh, its ability to deliver change. And you know, you said, oh, people who don't like each other, we actually like each other a lot, I think, because yeah. we share the same ethos. Yeah. Uh, but but it but still you know we're we're holding different aspects of a challenge and so it's how to you know go across barriers of, of perceptions and and really unsurfacing what are the polarities that really hold the system in place now um, and and being able to surface those during the our meetings that allows us to then innovate and, and transcend them. Yeah. No, and I like you know it is a it is a Oscar and Felix and the odd couple in a certain in a certain sense as as you've said and and I want to come back to that and come back to uh, where the Change Lab has uh, uh, gotten to after we come back from a little break. This is Big Beacon Radio. We've got uh, uh, special special guests uh, Kim Allen, Boris Martin, Mark Abbott uh, with us. And after the break, we're going to come back and dig into what exactly the Engineering Change Lab is and what it's doing. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3joy website, www.3joy.com today. Biz Locker Radio is a high-energy business show that features compelling conversations and cutting-edge business content that you can use to improve your performance today. Hosted by Kelly Riggs and presented by the Business Locker Room, Biz Locker Radio features dynamic thought leaders from sales, marketing, leadership, business strategy, social media, and more. If you're in business, you need an edge. Develop that edge with Biz Locker Radio. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 3 p.m. Central on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And get the copy of a, get a copy of the book that is Transforming Higher Education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education, wholenewengineer.org. It's not just for engineers anymore. And uh, welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. I'm Dave Goldberg, and we're here with... Uh, um, three principles of of what's called the Engineering Change Lab uh, in in Canada. Uh, we've got uh, Boris Martin and Mark Abbott from Engineers Without Borders, and and uh, uh, Kim Allen with uh, Engineers Canada. And and before the break, we were talking about how this got together and how uh, well and how the odd couple, uh, the establishment uh, of uh, en- engineering in Canada, and and uh, the the crazy activists uh, all mm-hmm. over the world in Africa got together and and uh, uh, started to 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 do um, uh, good good things. But um, you know, and and we talked about the good relationship that uh, the, the two organizations had, but. How, uh, Mark uh, Abbott, uh, how did the Change Lab actually get its start? Yeah, well, from the uh, 
from the conversations with Kim and, and uh, Engineers Canada between our organizations, uh, as I was saying, we were sort of recognizing, reflecting on our, our years of, of partnership and working together, uh, the shared ground we had in terms of seeing this higher potential in the system and feeling like there's lots of great initiatives going on right now, but uh, a sense that, that maybe something was missing in order to really honor the urgency and the importance we were feeling in, in making progress um, on some of the, the sort of more intracted problems. And so we started talking a little bit about change labs or social labs and EWB's exposure to them in other areas of our work, and that led to starting some conversations with Rios Partners and Adam Kahane, who you had on your show earlier, yeah. who are uh, uh, sort of global leaders in, in the practice of social labs and change labs. And those conversations helped us sort of, sort of suss out and, and uh, establish that change labs was a, uh, an approach that was worth investigating. So we went through an interview process actually through fall of 2014 because the first stages of a lab are, are in creating a convening question and then going out and trying to convene a microcosm of the system that you're seeking to change. So in our case, that system is the engineering profession in Canada. So we went out and we um, invited leaders representing organizations from all aspects of the profession, so different types of workplaces, government, um, civil society organizations, uh, membership organizations, universities, um, and even, uh, you know, K-12 to part of the system, and who are the people that are affecting what people go into in engineering education. Sure. And so we went through this invitation process, and there's always sort of trade-offs in that process because Rios's best practices are that you try to keep that group to around 40 leaders representing 40 organizations. Um, because of the way the, the lab process works. That's kind of a, a practical limitation. Yep. And so we went through that invitation process in the fall of 2014 and um, up to the, the launch event, which was last January, almost exactly a year ago, where everyone showed up in Montreal for the first workshop. And basically it was the first big experiment of the lab was, um, you know, people had sort of believed enough in the higher potential in this question to show up in, in Montreal. The question then was, uh, coming out of our first two-day workshop, would, would everyone share the belief deep, deeply enough in this higher potential of the profession and this, this way of working together to unlock it to actually want to continue as a lab? And, and the answer was a, was a very strong and resounding uh, yes. So that, that launched the lab almost exactly a year ago today. And, and, and you know, so, you know, some, and we talked about some, you know, some engineers behaving badly, engineering students behaving badly is one of the things that sort of prompted a deeper discussion. But, but what, what were, and, and you had different stakeholders, as you say, you had educators, K-12, educators, higher education, you had uh, uh, members of the, of the of key professional organizations, industry, um, but what what were the what were the aspirations aligned or, or or what were what were the what were the the triggers or the 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 sense of urgency or importance that came out of uh, the original meeting yeah, i think a, a key to the whole process was that we we made a a choice during the invitation process not for not to define not not for uwb or engineers canada to to sort of answer the questions right off yes. the bat, not to say we believe this is, we believe there is a higher potential, and we believe this is what it is, and we believe this is what's holding it back. Because, you know, that could be a fruitful exercise, but it would be a different, very different exercise than the spirit of a lab. Where sure. what we did instead was share a few examples very lightly in the lead up to the launch event, and then right from the the very first launch workshop, the work of the lab, the ongoing work of the lab, 
is for different organizations with very different perspectives to share to share their perspectives and create sort of a shared understanding of both the higher potential, which is a very sort of aspirational energy building uh, conversation, and the the chronic sort of challenges that are holding that back, which is a you know more of a, a very different type of energy, but also a powerful energy in terms of motivating change. So yeah, um, you know, on the higher potential, some people took very sort of tangible near term, like talking about Canada's competitiveness. Um, some people talked about solving the world's big problems and the need for a strong engineering profession in that. Um, and some people, you know, talked about uh, sort of a long-term future positive, making a world that works for everybody and, and the role of engineering in that. And I think what we've kind of come to is that everyone's pointed in the same direction. So it's actually not important, important and potentially even um, can get in the way if you try to sort of force agreement on some of these things where it's not needed. As long as we're sort of sharing a common direction and a common overall goal, it's okay if people have, um, and actually useful if people have different sort of takes on, on the why it's urgent and what's holding it back. Yeah, no, I was just curious. I, I, I guessed with such a diverse group that the motivations would be different, but I was just curious. And you, you mentioned a, you mentioned a, a few of them. So, um, what's the what's the current s- status? So you, you know, so you talked about the magic number of forty in terms of pro- process considerations. But so you met back in twenty fourteen. I was at a meeting this uh, last fall. What? Uh, where is the Change Lab at? Sure, yeah. So the, the heartbeat of the lab is, is the physical convenings. And, and in our design, we've come up with three workshops per year. So the launch was last January in Montreal. Yep. Then we had one in June in Kingston. And the one you were at in October in, um, at the Lausanne School of Engineering just outside Toronto. And uh, the fourth one will be coming up the end of this week in Hamilton. And so the two-day workshops, uh, three of them per year, uh, or where the group physically comes together to both deepen shared understanding of the profession and to progress a portfolio of initiatives or experiments to help unlock that potential. And so where the lab's at right now is is we've um, sorry, say laid a lot of the foundation for the ongoing lab in terms of the relationships and the new ways of working together and some of the resourcing questions. We've progressed quite well on on. Um, again, the foundations of our shared understanding and starting to get a little bit deeper than the symptom level. And we have eight initiatives right now that are sort of um, in their development stage. Uh, and those are, again, are the experiments of the lab to help uh, uh, actually test how we can unlock that potential. And I and probably going through all eight isn't what we want to do here, but just is there, a, can you give us a sense of one or, the, one or two or three of the most salient ones just to give a sense of the kind of, uh, the kind of initiatives that are being undertaken? Sure, yeah. Um, so one of the sort of recognitions when we were doing our system sensing side is that a big lever point in, in when you look at the overall profession is who actually enters an engineering education in the first place. And the way the system works typically in Canada is there's entrance requirements to universities and, and almost uh, without exception that now requires grade 12 uh, physics um, as part of the actual yep. uh, application. And there's some good stats in Canada and I think also in other countries around how that actually has a uh, potentially a large impact on in particular gender diversity in the profession. Um, and you can see sort of, uh, but even diversity more broadly, um, where you see students who um, select out of a, a physics path in high school in grade 10 or grade 11 and that without realizing the implications on the decision um, about entering an engineering uh, field. So one of the groups in the, in the lab came up with this as an idea and sort of pitched it to the group. 
And it's interesting because actually the way the lab works is not everyone actually has to agree that it's a good idea. So there was actually debate in the lab about whether or not um, re- relaxing the uh, admission standards around grade 12 physics was a good idea. But the whole spirit of the lab is to create sort of this spa- safe space where, um, like, that's, you know, if there's a group that actually uh, wants to test this and there's energy around that and we can kind of um, design a good test, that's actually um, try it and find out and track the results and uh, you know either it'll be a good idea or a bad idea but either way we'll learn something about the system that we can then take forward. Sure, and of course you know so uh, I'm used to the rough and tumble of uh, academic uh, uh, meetings and faculty meetings. You put you put three or four academics in the room. You've got at least seven ideas, seven opinions, seven different uh, incompatible opinions about how to proceed. And so the idea that there wouldn't be total agreement is 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 reasonable. And and any process that's going to deal with a diverse group like this has to has to do that. I guess uh, maybe from the professional side, Kim. So you been involved in this process from the beginning and um, been in these meetings. What what strikes you uh, uh, about them as uh, curious or interesting uh, so far? Well, uh, what I find that um, I think with the meetings is that you actually have all of the right people in the room, and, and we have the whole profession and, and all, all the components of the profession represented. And so very quickly, uh, an idea, a concept even a pilot of uh, what you might want to look at. And very instantly from the, the group that's in the room, you get excellent feedback that can actually reshape and accelerate that whole uh, the, the cycle time in development of whatever that pilot that you might want to work on, um, you know, to put in place with it. And, and I think a lot of the conversations, uh, you know, find in there that when we were going forward, and I started off at, earlier in the show, that we were really trying to drive and, and I think prob- probably more along the lines that we actually have the solution, you know, that good ethical behavior will take care of all, all those problems. And the lab, I think, over the, uh, over, certainly in the first cycle and in the second cycle and the third cycle, we, we drifted uh, from those and to saying, well, you know, maybe the problem's a little broader, that the engineering profession has um, a lot of potential. How do we actually just unlock and create that potential? And, you know, some of the conversations go in that it's, each generation that we've had, um, since there's been engineers working on it and engineers focusing on ongoing improvement and making things better, the quality of life of each generation has been better than the previous quality of life of the, the previous generation. And, and how do we just carry that on? And how, yeah. how do the, the big challenges of the country, you know, and uh, competitiveness and in the whole globalization, how do we maintain that? You know, have, have we hit the ceiling? And, and you have those kind of conversations around with it, which took it out to a much, much broader scale than simply saying, well, we're trying to deal with uh, a behavior issue or an ethical problem and um, to talk about, you know, what should the profession be? And one of the new, new ones that uh, we just added in at the last lab, which uh, I thought was a fascinating one, is that, you know, we should really be looking at what's the future of the profession, you know, that what do we, what's it look like 50 years down the road? Mm. What should it look like? How can we design it? How can we shape it? How can we put yeah. those types of things in rather than just to continue to... Uh, you know, perhaps allow it to uh, naturally evolve. Yeah, and so that you know, that's that's interesting. That that taps into um, you know, in talking to Adam Kahane about uh, you know the origins of his work and you know the origins of his work in scenario planning at Shell and so forth. Uh, sounds like a, a a nice way to think about you know what are the what are some of the scenarios for for the profession fifty years down the road as 
as as you say, uh, um, Boris, what uh, from your perspective? Again, as uh, you, you've been involved in convening, but also as a participant, what? Uh, and actually, just to dovetail on on the point that Kim was making about, um, you know, you come into these things and you sort of think you know what's needed. And then you get into the conversation, you realize the complexity, and, and you there's a point of letting go and not knowing. And that came out in the conversation with Adam about his experience in South Africa, that not knowing was really important. Uh, what? Uh, let me I'll ask it this this way for you, Boris. What is? What did you find um, that it was in in the process so far that it was important for you not to know? Hmm. Um, well, so, you know, I came into the, the lab with, uh, you know, the, the knowledge of all those, you know, like uh, almost startup innovations that Engineers Without Borders had been, uh, yeah. you know, triggering or seeding in the system. You know, we had some of our students from across the country who had uh, gone together to create a global engineering certificate, and they were, they were offering that certificate to universities, and they, they, it becomes kind of a a backbone structure for students to um, to design a uh, almost like a wholesome you know um, liberal um, education around the engineering profession so adding business adding law and, and other things and like sure. you know weaving in social responsibility within their curriculum and, and to recognize it and so you know it's difficult uh, to not wear these ideas on my sleeve as I uh, engage in the uh, in the lab and to to remain curious in some way to to what ideas are actually going to come from the participants rather than just you know from engineers without borders and so I would say that's what letting go of that and and we intentionally by design almost did not invite these inv- these innovations into the space uh, at first and we just yes. you know listened um, and I think that was really healthy you know there's I was um, I was taken by surprise by some of the levers of change that I didn't know about. Uh, you know, when the, the dean of Dalhousie said, we're going to change the, uh, the grade 12 physics requirements or at least play with that, mm. um, I was like, aha, uh-huh, okay. You know, that's, it's not something that, fr- frankly, is in, in the realm of any of our members to actually decide. And so it's really exciting to see someone with access to the levers of decision-making on that part of the system role modeling and experimental approach. And, uh, you know, Mark told the story from the vantage point of we don't know what the results are going to be. I think part of the results of that, stand, like the stand that he, that he took to the group, is that others got the signal that the system is evolving, you know, and, and so I can also evolve and I can also experiment on my, in my realm because I kind of know that others are as well. And I think sometimes what holds all of us back and or all of us at the status quo is a sentiment that, yeah, you can, you can try to change one part of the system, but, you know, in the end, everything's going to hold you back. And, and so it, it does cultivate a, a sense of possibility that, in fact, you know, the, the knots are going to loosen a little bit because we're all interdependent. We all have different missions uh, around the table, you know. The uh, yeah. maintaining a standard of quality is different from evol- it's actually completely polar, polar, you know, opposite to evolving the standards. Because when you evolve a standard, then you actually start experimenting with new standards, and you don't know whether they are proven or not. And so it, it, there is some like inherent uh, polarities within the, the world of our, our different roles as organizations. And um, I had to be curious about you know what other people would bring to the table, and I learned yeah, a lot. No, from this is that's I think that's that. great stuff, and and 
you know that, and you've you've used uh, Barry Johnson's term polarities a number of times, and I, I think uh-huh. that's a really central idea in in these kinds of complex changes, and that it's often not one, it's not this versus that, it's it's a different yeah. balance or a different way of managing these these things that are in some sense polar opposites, uh-huh. and and uh, and and that. Re- if you if you get a group of forty people to just realize that and then go back to their institutions Absolutely. and and practice in that way, you've you've, you've done quite a lot. So I think we, we're going to take I think we're going to take another uh, break here. And I think one of the things we want to come back we've talked about education. Of course, this is a show devoted to higher education. We want to turn to some of the ramifications for um, uh, these kinds of changes, and then we want to talk about. You know, changes back at the ranch. So, what does this mean for the the constituent organizations, and and how 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 are they going to change using the change lab as a as as a as an instrument for their own mm-hmm. change? So, uh, uh, this is Big Beacon Radio. We've got uh, our three guests from uh, Engineering Change Lab: uh, Boris Martin, Mark Abbott, and Kim Allen. And after the break, we're gonna we're gonna talk about higher education and and then cha- change back at the ranch. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call one 866 
1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And get the coaching and, and deep faculty development and training you need to transform higher education at your institution at 3joy.com. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio uh, with our guests from the Engineering Change Lab in Canada, uh, Kim Allen, Boris Martin, and Mark Abbott. And, and we were just talking about some of the recent experience with uh, uh, setting up the uh, the uh, Change Lab, and of course, this is the show is really devoted to higher education, and and higher education has been part of the conversation so so far. But um, many of your stakeholders are institutions of higher education. In 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 what ways uh, um, do you think these efforts are benefiting or will benefit uh, higher education, uh, engineering education in Canada? Let's uh, start with you, Mark. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think ten actually of our of our forty participants are, are from universities, and probably six or seven of those are deans, and uh, the rest are professors of sort of different um, uh, different backgrounds. And so, yeah, a very large contingent of uh, from higher education in the lab. And I think the opportunity for the universities is similar to the opportunity for the the participants from other backgrounds. Is the lab is a, an opportunity to come together uh, and think about the bigger system. The bigger frame that that our that our subsystems exist in. So, for university engineering education, when you zoom out from that, one of the things you zoom out to is the engineering profession itself. And of course, the engineering profession is is part of sort of an you can think of it in terms of its bigger role in society. So, within um, Engineers Without Borders and within the Engineers uh, Engineering Change Lab, there's a sort of practice of being able to zoom out and understand the bigger context, and then zoom back in and understand what that means for. Um, for our parts of it, so that we can actually uh, contribute to um, to the whole, and uh, you know, it's a very powerful sort of format for that because you get to to um, uh, by virtue of the way the workshops work, by the virtue of the way we work together over time, the leaders who are participating get to to really um, generate that shared understanding and also seek to share it out to to others beyond the lab itself. Yeah, uh, Boris or Kim, something to add to that. Yeah, uh, well, part of our role is um, we accredit all the engineering schools. So there's 44 engineering schools in Canada and some 279 accredited programs. And one of the things I think the lab's doing, and again, working with the uh, with the deans, it's striking that really good balance is that Canada's a little unique because it's the, all the graduates from the accredited programs automatically meet the requirements for entry into the profession or the academic requirements for licensure without any additional examinations or, or assessments. And what, what's really neat in, in kind of the, the process is that how do we actually um, create, you know, that the, the education that's needed to meet today's challenges yet maintain the high quality and the high standards that have existed for the many years without losing that and, and striking that balance in between ensuring that we're accomplishing both objectives simultaneously. And, and again, that's, that's a, a much tougher challenge than saying, well, we just want to go off and change it and make things look, look in this manner or that manner and, and not necessarily be concerned with all those. And so it's a very nice striking of that kind of balance and saying, you know, both of those things are they're equally important in how we're actually going to protect and serve the public today 
yet uh, build, you know, build the economy for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Boris, do you want to add to that? Yeah, totally. I think you know, for for edu- higher education institutions, the 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 change lab will be both a a relief and a challenge. I think it's going to be a relief because you know higher education institutions are about you know delivering um, a learning experience like knowledge acquisition um, and you know for for professions that have been established for you know decades if not centuries uh, there's a certain level of standardization and rules that you need to follow when you when imparting that knowledge uh, but you know the recognition from the lab that the, the world is changing things need to evolve and uh, imposes a bit of a, a going back to the DNA of the profession and saying what is this really about is it about the knowledge what are the other mm-hmm. pieces that are behind it um, and and I think that's so that's freeing on the one hand because it's like okay well we we kind of know that the knowledge is one part but there's more than that uh, you know developing a thirst for learning and adaptation in the students etc um, and and so universities have had a desire to 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 innovate and to change the 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 learning experience of students um, and 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 they're going to get from the lab a bit of a, a nod that it's possible to do it and on the on the other hand it's it's also a challenge because yeah. it means it means that the the you know you can't just rest on what you've done in the past and and just apply the same recipe you're going to have to as a as a higher you know education institution learn new ways from from or design new ways of learning for your students and so i think it's uh, it's a healthy dynamic it's the one that keeps everything fun uh, yeah, but, you know, and, uh, and I, as you were t- and as you were speaking, Boris, it reminded me. And, and one of the blessings of my life is working with uh, leaders of different kinds, uh, both uh, professional leaders and academic leaders, and uh, as a coach. And and there's this point in coaching, and it's it has both the the freeing nature and the challenge that you were just talking about. So you work with someone at first, and they and they're kind of stuck in, in their pattern. And they think that the pattern is the truth and, and that, that there's no other way to, to conduct their life. And so you, you interrogate that a little bit, and, and after, after three months or so, they sort of realize, oh, I don't have, mm-hmm. to, I don't have to be stuck like this. And then that, that poses the challenge, okay, well, then what is it that I want to do? And it's, you know, so I'm talking about this at an individual level, but at a, the, same, the same can play out at an organizational level. It's, it's you mean, oh, we don't have to follow the, the game plan of engineering education mm-hmm. since the Cold War. We can, we can, do, something, we can do something else. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and what is that? And, and yeah. I, I think that is, I think it's exactly what you, um, you, you, you said it is. It's, it's, it's both freeing and, and a challenge to institutions yeah, of higher absolutely. ed. Absolutely. Yeah, and to be, David, to be, uh, what, what are the fair building to, on that to higher education oh, in Canada? Oh, there's sorry, already a that, lot that's been, you know, there's a lot of innovation that comes out of our universities. And sorry, yeah. Kim, I, I cut you Kim, off. Kim, yeah, so no, it's fine. And, and uh, I'm glad we're having a conversation that everyone wants to participate. Kim, what, were, and what did you want to well, add to that? One of the things that is right from the very first lab, and it's been a common theme all the way through, was just, um, you know, the imperative of engineering leadership. And, and it was that, you know, are we actually putting enough engineering leadership into the, into the curriculum? So it, they're the ones that are actually helping people 
um, take on these different types of challenges. So it's not just simply the technical ones where we need to show leadership. It's how do we actually look at the whole system and, and come up with a system solution. And, and again, it might get the public buy-in. And the public buy-in may be in terms of you know, public policy. It may be in terms of, of, of shaping some, some other ones to really start to truly unlock the solutions that engineers can actually bring forward. And that's been a discussion with, you know, that's, I think, common through every one of the initiatives is that, yeah. you know, it's the, the real need to spur that engineering leadership. And so it's from the individual as the engineer and then from the collective of the profession of, of those who are involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we've got about four minutes left, uh, and and we could probably go on another uh, mm-hmm. another session or so, but and, and maybe we will. But um, as I guess one of the things that was... Um, I was thinking about as as we were just talking is that you know so you bring people and and it actually is tied to this notion of leadership you you bring people into a setting like this and and one of the things that when you work with someone as a coach a, a leader so what you know so how do you express your leadership and 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 leadership can be can actually is a very personal thing different different people different personalities will exert leadership in a different way in in what way in what ways when people come to this diverse almost disorienting conversation are people ready to tackle this are, are do they listen do they listen to each other are they ready to listen do they are they ready to question or do are they ready to let go of their answers in what ways are people ready or or not ready to have these kinds of mm-hmm. really challenging conversations that you guys have been having over the last year mm-hmm. or so anyone who wants to tackle that one yeah well, I can, I can, I'll, th- I'll throw in mine uh, little bit with it, and I think that's been kind of one of the beauties of, of the lab, is it's created a space or an environment where, where people are willing to put those ones out and knowing that they actually may not have the answer, and they're still actually formulating what the actual right question is. Like, yeah. They might not even have the right question, and it's exploring it into that. And, you know, I think kind of the engineering 101 is, is always trying to figure out, well, what's the problem? What's the problem we're trying to solve? And we can come up with the solutions if we can actually articulate what the problem is. And the lab is creating that kind of space where you can actually explore around what are those and have we actually gone peeled off enough, enough of the layers of the onion to find out what is at the root of that problem and have yeah. we actually started to tackle some of the root of the problem. Well, what are the questions? Was, was that you, Boris? Did you want to jump in? We've got a couple minutes left. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say that the process of the lab itself becomes a, a skills development opportunity for every participant, you know, and, and you grow as a leader as you engage in tough conversations and um, so it's a journey. We can, I can feel it for myself, and I, I feel it in others as well. So um, it, 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 as we we're bringing the show to a close, uh, just briefly, uh, Kim, what, um, what else should uh, listeners know about um, the Change Lab and Engineers Canada, and how can they get a hold of uh, uh, your side of the story? Um, well, the, the easiest way we try to keep our, our website is uh, very informative, and it's uh, www.engineerscanada.ca, and you can reach me at kim.allen at engineerscanada.ca and be happy to engage with uh, any of your listeners on those ones, on thoughts, ideas, on there to on how can we actually advance the, the engineering profession, you know, certainly within Canada, but we're also looking at how do we do it uh, globally. How can we Great. And, and uh, Mark and Boris from the EWB side of things, mm-hmm. how can people find out more about the Change Lab in EWB Canada? So uh, EWB Canada's website is ewb.ca, 
Um, and uh, there's quite a few neat stories about our work, um, the lab included, um, on, on our pages. Uh, my email uh, is borismartin um, at ewb.ca, and that's also a place where people can reach out if they want to hear more of the uh, insider stories of, on, the, on the lab. And for the lab itself, the website will be up uh, by the end of the month. That's uh, something that I'm behind on in my, uh, my docket of work. But um, people can reach out to me at markabbott at ewb.ca, and I'm happy to share um, some of the overview documents. And we actually also, as part of the, the work of the lab, share full harvest documents or summary notes from all the workshops because right. the intention is actually to share the insights and the work of the lab as broadly as possible because... Um, okay. When we Thanks. dream really big and are excited about it, uh, you know, looking at other professions even and sort of thinking that there's some common challenges facing all professions. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks for that, and, and I thank you all for, for joining us. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. Special thanks to our guests, uh, Kim Allen, Boris Martin, Mark Abbott, and help transform higher education, join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.